The gospel lesson for the last Sunday of the church year comes from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 23, verses 27 through 43, and you can find it on page 1050 of the Pew Bible. Please stand again as you are able for the reading of the gospel. From Luke 23, beginning at verse 27, we read in Jesus' name. And there followed him, that is Jesus, a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise." Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is not to be feared, because death is not the end. For those who trust in Jesus Christ, you will never truly die. You might still fear because it looks unknown to us, and that's kind of scary. But you do not have to fear death. Your Lord Jesus Christ is with you now. He will be with you in death, and he will guide you into the next chapter of life. I've mentioned before that the the last couple weeks of the church year always focus on the last things, or what we sometimes call the end times. It's kind of like this little mini-season at the end of the Pentecost season. And so we often hear scripture readings about the signs of the end, or the return of Jesus Christ on the last day, or the resurrection of the dead on the last day. But this gospel lesson is a little bit different. It takes us, surprisingly, to the crucifixion of Jesus, which seems like more of a Good Friday or a Lenten text. And so I had to think about this a little bit uh, to see some of the ways that this text fits into this part of the church calendar. Now, of course, it's always appropriate to read about the crucifixion of Jesus because this is the central event of Christianity. 
But this is also very appropriate as we focus on the last things, because this passage in particular has a few end times themes in it. I noticed three of them. The first one of these that we see is Jesus warning to his disciples about the trouble they will soon face. And we heard a lot about this last week. Jesus warned his disciples about the destruction of Jerusalem. And he he warned them that they would face persecution. And his disciples then did face persecution. And the Christian church has always endured persecution at least somewhere in the world. And so this warning is relevant to us because violent persecution can happen anywhere. And so we should take Jesus' words to heart when he says, Do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. As the world hated Jesus, so also it hates his Christians. And that's part of how this fits into the the mini-season about the end times. The second end times teaching that, that this passage gives to us is that Jesus' kingdom is now. And there's a lot of confusion about this one. Christians, like everyone, unfortunately, we are in love with this world. Now, we see that there are things wrong with this world, but we don't really want to give it up. We're tempted to believe that if Jesus would just come and reign as a king in this world, that things would be better, much better. And so some think that Jesus' kingdom is still far off in the future, as if Jesus is coming to be an earthly king. But consider what this criminal says to Jesus and how Jesus responds. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus doesn't talk about some distant kingdom off in the future. He says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so that word today teaches us that that day, the day of Jesus' crucifixion, is the day he came into his kingdom. That is the day he purchased his kingdom with his blood. The problem in this world is not the absence of Jesus, because Jesus is not absent from us. The problem with this world is sin, my sin and your sin, and the sin of everyone in the world. That's why we have injustice. And so the solution would not be Jesus establishing a throne on this earth, because right now he reigns from his throne in heaven. He has just as much control there, if not more, than he would have if he came down to establish an earthly throne here. That's because from his throne in heaven, he rules over all the rulers of this world, even the ones who do not acknowledge him. But injustice continues in this world because of sin, and God is patient with sinners. He desires all people to reach repentance and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We remember then that in order to eradicate injustice, God would have to eradicate all sin, which would mean the death of all of us and the end of the age of repentance. And so we're not looking for a different kingdom of God on earth. Instead, we recognize that Jesus is king now. He reigns over all things from heaven, and he reigns among us through his word and sacraments. Through these means, he forgives our sins. And that is the kind of kingdom that he established at the cross. He purchased us for his kingdom by paying for our sin. And that kingdom is now, and we are members of it. And then the third end times teaching we see in this passage, and this is the one that we'll focus a little bit more on today, is dying with Jesus. 
This repentant criminal who was crucified next to Jesus had the privilege of dying with Jesus. He had the opportunity to talk with Jesus face to face as he was dying. And Jesus was able to tell him what was about to happen to him. And these words of Jesus, they're also for you and for me and for all who trust in Jesus. And this is especially comforting as we are dying. And this is part of our end times teaching. The Christian teaching on the end times, it focuses on the return of Jesus Christ on the last day to raise the dead and judge all mankind. That's the focus of it. But it also includes our deaths and the intermediate state, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But first, even before we get to that, the first and primary thing that we should see in this passage is the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus. We see his mercy toward people who are crucifying him. And this includes also those people who demanded his death and mocked him as he was dying. Jesus desires for all people to be saved, even those who hate him. And this is such a surprise, right? We assume that if we hate a person, we assume that once we start to hate them or when we do something mean to them, that we've burned a bridge and we can't go back. And we especially feel that way if we do something to another person that eh, if the roles were reversed, we might not be so inclined to forgive them. And so we remain enemies. It's rather twisted. We continue being mean to other people just because we have been mean to them in the past. We assume that they won't forgive us. And with some people, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe we can't go back. Maybe they'll never forgive us. But we should, not, we should not assume that every person is as unforgiving as we might be, and we should certainly not think that way about Jesus, because he is the exact opposite. He prays for those who crucified him and for those who demanded his crucifixion. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this forgiveness is really what his crucifixion is all about anyway. In those hours on the cross, he was paying the price for those very sins. He was paying the price for those who hated him, demanded his death, and killed him. He was paying for those sins and every sin, which means he was also paying the penalty for your sin. There is no sin too great for Jesus' sacrifice. We see this in Jesus' promise to the thief next to him. Now, Luke, Luke just calls these two men criminals. Uh, he doesn't say what they did. We learn from the other Gospels, uh, from Matthew and Mark, that they were thieves. Now, we don't execute thieves today. Rome apparently did, at least some of them, but not all the time. And so this wasn't some little thing like shoplifting or even grand theft donkey. This must have been something big, perhaps a series of crimes or something, something violent. It was bad enough that the one criminal said to the other, we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. In other words, we're getting what we deserve. And so at least in his mind, the punishment fit the crime. He didn't think it was out of the ordinary. And so this was a bad man. We can say that about him. He was a bad man. Now, we should also acknowledge that before God, we are also bad men. 
But even on a human level, this was a bad man. And we can say that about him because it was true. And he would not be offended to hear us say that. He acknowledged that he deserved to be put to death, not just by God, but also by the state. That's the kind of person that we're talking about here. And yet, when he prayed, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus replied, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Think about how radical that is. All those sins that earned a death sentence for this man are wiped away by Jesus. As this man was dying because of his sins, Jesus was right next to him dying for his sins. So if you ever think that you have done something too wicked, or if you think you've done something too many times for God to forgive you, you need to know that that is a lie from the devil. The devil is accusing you of sins that he has no right to accuse you of because Jesus paid for all those sins. There is nothing too big. And so in this criminal next to Jesus, we have a picture of someone, a Christian, dying with Jesus. And what was true for that man is true for every repentant sinner who trusts in Jesus. We don't deserve Jesus' mercy, but he gives it to us freely because he died. He died for our sins, and Jesus is with us when we are dying. Not like he's being crucified again, like he was crucified with this criminal, Jesus did that once and for all. But he is with us as we are dying because he's been through it and he has promised to be with us always. That certainly includes the hour of death. So just as he was with that criminal to guide him into paradise, he is also with us to guide us into paradise as we are dying. Jesus' words to this criminal, they they answer some of the curious questions we might have about death and dying. First of all, sometimes people ask about purgatory. What do we say about that? It's not real, and it's not taught anywhere in the Bible. The Bible talks about heaven, and it talks about hell, but there's no purgatory where we have to have our sins purged in order to prepare for heaven. If most Christians... If most Christians still need to have their sins purged before entering into heaven, a criminal who is being executed would certainly be among them. But Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Therefore, we conclude, no purgatory. Second question is this. Sometimes people ask me this. What happens to Christians after they die and before the resurrection of the dead. When we talk about eternal life, we emphasize that we will live eternally in both body and soul. We will not live forever as disembodied spirits. We will not get a different body. God's promises concerning the last day are very clear. Jesus will raise the dead, all the dead. These bodies will be raised They will be new in the sense that they will be restored better than ever, but it will not be a different body. And this is what we focus on when we talk about eternal life. We will live forever in perfect body and perfect soul in the new creation forever. 
But what happens to us before the resurrection of the dead? Or what what has happened to our loved ones who have died in Christ already? What happens to our spirits while our bodies are dead? Some have proposed the idea of soul sleep. That is like our spirits go into a deep sleep while we wait for the resurrection. Another idea, which is kind of similar, is that our spirits are instantly transported, like time travel through time to the resurrection of the dead. So the body has to wait, but the soul doesn't. It's like you die and you just wake up in the resurrection. Both of these ideas are wrong, and we know that they're wrong because they contradict the biblical passages. Our spirits do not sleep, and they are not instantly transported, but they are alive in heaven with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is what we call the intermediate state. It's a some different form of existence between this life and the new life in the resurrection. We can't really explain or comprehend what it's like because we don't know what life is like without these bodies. It's just not in our experience. And so we're going to have some trouble with this. But we can say that it's not as good as the life in the resurrection will be, but it is certainly better than this life. And one of the passages where we learn about the intermediate state is this one, when Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. The word today teaches us that we will not have to wait for it. And the word paradise teaches us that it's going to be a whole lot better than this life. We also learn about the intermediate state from the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We talked about that just a couple of months ago. There was a rich man and there was a poor man named Lazarus. They both died. Lazarus was carried by the angels to Abraham's side while the rich man was in Hades. But they were both conscious and, in some sense, alive, only sort of alive for the rich man, more alive for Lazarus because he is with Jesus, Uh, in some sense alive even though the resurrection of the dead had not yet occurred. And so we see that there's some kind of intermediate state where the rich man was in torment and the poor man was being comforted. And that basically is what we know about the intermediate state. We're alert, and for those who die in Christ, it is described as comfort and paradise. To say anything beyond that would really just be speculation, so we'll stop there. And so we do not need to fear death. Death is not the end. It is bad, and so we mourn the deaths of those we lose, and we are right to avoid death, but not at all costs. There are other evils far more dangerous than death. Losing faith is far more dangerous. Teaching heresy is far more dangerous. But death is not to be feared because death is not the end. It is only the end of this life as we know it. But it is not the end of life because the dead in Christ never truly die. Jesus is with you, just as he was with that dying criminal. And on the day of your death, his promise to that criminal is the same as his promise to you. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.